Got to, got to stay friendly with these sound guys. They can make you sound like Mini Ripperton or Lou Rawls. <laughs> so it's all in their hands. Has anybody noticed that the world's a bit messed up or have I got a special gift of discernment? <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, that's, that's one thing. We know the world will be, but um, the church really shouldn't be. So if we're messed up in the church, it's only because we haven't received all the promises of God yet. And uh, that's, he, he wants us to receive them because then we prove that he's true. So... Hoshea or Hosea, depending on where you went to Bible school or learnt things. Um, 4.6 says that uh, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, which, which I always understood to be the knowledge of, about God himself. And then uh, found in the New Living one time, it actually says, uh, my people are destroyed because they don't know me. Isn't that, that's pretty powerful. Isn't it? And what it really means is they don't know what he's got on offer and so they don't really access it. And so I've called this message Vision Releases Potential because when we see something, then we will pursue it and hopefully we will um, get hold of it. Uh, I was talking about a, a, a biologist and um, he, he got a big pot and he got what's known as processional caterpillars. They're those little caterpillars that kind of follow each other up your driveway. Uh, and he, he wondered what would happen, so he put them around the edge of this pot and they all followed each other around and around and around for a week till they were all exhausted and died of starvation. And yet the food was just inches away all the time. It was there, they just simply didn't access it. So the provisions of God often are like that. They're, they're there, but we're just not getting them for some reason, which is we, we don't see them somehow, they're under our nose. Uh, it's a great story of some guys who were shipwrecked and uh, they were out in their boat for a few days. They ran out of food and water, and uh, a ship came past. They thought, oh, great, and they yelled out, give us some water. And the guy leaned over from the side of the ship and said, dip your bucket in. You're in the mouth of the Amazon River. It's fresh water. So about, I think it's 20% of the world's fresh water comes from the Amazon River, and the, the plume is 400 kilometres long and 200 kilometres wide. So there's quite a bit of water out past where you can see land. Uh, it, it was there, they just weren't accessing it. I uh, love, love the story of, there was a composer called um, Paderewski who was around in about the 1890s and uh, he, he was a famous composer and a pianist and he used to have big concerts. And so uh, one particular night he's got a concert and this lady brought in her little son and thought, um, you know, he's learning piano. It'd be great if he gets exposed and inspired by this amazing pianist. So she sees somebody that she knows and goes off to have a talk to them and forgets about her little boy. So he goes off, as little boys do, wandering around and couldn't read the no admittance uh, thing. So he finds himself, um, you know, out there somewhere. And all of a sudden the curtain opens and she's come back by now and goes, where's my little boy? And there he is sitting at the Steinway playing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And just at that moment, Paderewski came out. And he says, just keep doing what you're doing. And he begins to put a bit of a bass hand to it and, and a, the, whatever the top hand is, some piano players might know. And all of a sudden, there's this amazing music and this incredibly special moment happens. You know, when we know a little bit of what to do with God and we do our little bit, then the Holy Spirit surrounds all that and comes through that, just even the little bit we've learnt, 
and he makes something wonderful happen. And when we, we see that and see that, that potential and we step into that potential, you know, as the old saying goes, you know, as we step out, God steps in. But if we don't step out, we'll never see God step in. But first we have to understand about him and the potential that we have in the Holy Spirit. And uh, we, I did mention, you know, imagine if you became partner with Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, uh, all of a sudden you, you have all kinds of potential to do all sorts of things. You have massive amounts of money, you have, you know, people working for you. And if he said, you're my partner and, and uh, whatever I've got, you go use it to build my empire, my kingdom. Well, we have the Holy Spirit, which is far more than being partnered up with any human being on the planet. So once we see things, uh, it changes. When we see potential, it changes how we relate to everything. Jesus was filled with the Spirit, it says in Luke 4.1. Uh, then we know he was led into the desert and uh, tempted by the devil. He overcame all those things, came out of there, announced his mission, which was God's priorities to heal the brokenhearted, uh, set the captives free. That's what we, you know, should be pretty central to what we do. And so uh, he's announced that he'll do that. And then he went looking for his church. He goes and finds Peter and, uh, um, and the guys down there fishing. And these guys, they're, they're fishermen. They know all about fishing. Um, I, I grew up in a fishing village, so I, I know there was a couple of gentlemen and if they didn't go fishing, nobody went out because they knew there was no fish. But if these guys went out, it was kind of you'd see all the boats tied up as close as they could to these guys' boats because they knew they would know exactly where the fish were. They were watching the tide and the wind and sometimes what the birds were doing and these sorts of things. Um, so when Jesus came along and he said, I know you've been fishing all night, but go and put your nets in here. Peter's thinking, well, you know, your dad's a carpenter. Like, what do you actually know about fishing? Um, you know, we've got some of your tables and chairs at home. Uh, probably, you know, they knew he was a carpenter's son. But Peter goes, well, nevertheless, probably thinking, well, oh, all right then. Uh, and they put, the, put out the nets. And as you know, something miraculous happened and the nets were full to breaking. Now, now Peter had seen something. He saw something impossible happen, something that could only be God. So when Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men, he, he, he knew that he could take that to the bank, that, that, that this was now possible. So uh, I was preaching one time in Nakuru in Kenya and um, we, were, we were doing some revival meetings and uh, there was a, a young chap there who heard me kind of talking about, well, there's no sort of Holy Spirit 2.1 and somebody else gets 2.2 or the upgrade version. We all just have the Holy Spirit. And so anybody can do anything anybody else can do. Uh, you don't need a title. You don't need anything else. You, you just need to step out. And so this guy went home and he prayed for a lady who had an incurable disease and she got healed. Because now he went, wow, I never thought of that. Well, I thought because sometimes it's only the special ministries in those environments that are promoted. So even in the natural world, we see people who have vision like Thomas Edison had a vision for the potential of electricity and he pursued that. So after a thousand failures, he finally managed to give us an electric light and power up the cities, which is what he saw to begin with. Somebody said, what did it feel like to have a thousand failures? He said it wasn't a thousand failures, it was a thousand step experiment. 
same for us. Our, you know, often our learning curve in ministry is well, you do something and then if it didn't work, you go, well, what happened there, Lord? Or what should I have done in that situation? And, and you know, God in his wisdom sort of mixes things through in that where we, we see enough to keep us encouraged and keep pursuing that thing of God. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg with uh, Facebook, he saw a world where everybody could connect and share what was happening in their lives and all these sorts of things initially in university and then saw a greater potential for it. Now there's 2.8 billion users across the world. That's quite a lot. And I think about 1.8 billion of them contact me most days. Um, <laughs> it, it can be a bit of a trap, messenger. <laughs> okay. Um, Henry Ford, he saw a car for everybody, just for the common man. And he pursued, he went broke five times. You'd give up, wouldn't you? But once you've seen what that could be like, you can't let it go. And it doesn't matter what stops you, you keep going after it. Uh, we're, we're, we're sort of a training ministry. And pretty much when I got filled with the Spirit, after that it was all things healing. And I, my wife is amazing. It's all over. Talk about, uh, eat, sleep breather, just want to see the church, everybody out there doing it, being excited about God working through them, seeing the joy of the things he does with people. Um, I can't not pursue that. And the more I've seen of that, the hungrier I get to see the whole church doing that because anybody can be doing those things. But like the little boy who learned Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, uh, you have to know something. So there's a little bit of little bit of work and sewing into that that happens. Um, Louis Pasteur, he was 15 out of 22, so he wasn't the top guy in his in his school. Um, he had this this idea. Him and I think uh, Claude Bernard had this thing about bacteria and germs and everything. And his teacher said, "Well, seriously, Pasteur, you're about as likely to find um, bird droppings in a cuckoo clock as that there would ever be germs." So he thought this whole theory was ridiculous but as we know it changed the world up until then if you if you went to a doctor in probably 1905 uh, you you were pretty much gone from the bacteria and everything because they didn't wash their hands or anything because they didn't know about this unseen realm so he changed a lot of things in the world the the mcdonald's brothers uh, they saw a world where you didn't have to wait for your food you could just go in and get it and there's a, we've seen mcdonald's all over the uk so we know you've been infected as well here Anybody seen the movie The Matrix? You know, I like that part where the guy's going, I know this isn't really food, but I'm going to eat it anyway. I always think of that when I go to McDonald's. I, go, I know it's not really food, but, but you know, I don't care. But a, a chap came along called uh, Ray Kroc and he saw how this could be franchised. And now there's... Uh, well, there was 39,000 restaurants. I think it's closer to 40,000 now. Uh, they feed 69 million people per day. They have a staff of 375,000 people and then they're in 150 countries. So the gospel of, the f of fast food, along with all the other things, uh, the, the other Kentucky and everything else, has, has gone viral all over the world. It's amazing. They saw something and pursued it. So even in the natural, successful people are going to lock onto something and say, okay, well, we, we're going to see this happen. And it rarely happens straight away. Uh, you have to pursue it, but it begins with uh, vision. So um, when we see people like Moses in the Old Testament, you know, he's out there in the desert, 
he comes along and he sees the tree that never stops burning which talks to him and he's now ruined. Uh, he's been told to go and do something. Now, by then, he didn't even want to do it. We know that. Um, but that thing that was originally in him, so there's probably some people that would speak to here, 40 years ago, he thought he was going to help his people. And now, 40 years later, after God's done a bit of work on him and trained him up, for, particularly for leading people around deserts, now God shows him something of what could be, shows him things with his staff that can do miraculous things, and now he can't not do that once we see. He pursued the vision. So we have kind of three concepts in the scripture. One is redemption, which is what God will do for you. And God does everything for us. He, he makes us holy. He, he'll heal us. He'll set us free from all our problems. All of that, he, he'll, he will equip us for ministry. All of that is instantly done through redemption even though you may not fully realise that or fully understand that. And then sanctification is what God will do in you, which is a process where he's actually personally working in you and we're going little by little, strength to strength, faith to faith, glory to glory, and, and again, proving his work in us. And then the third stage, which you'll find all these concepts through the New Testament, is mission, which is what God will do through you. So redemption is done... It's finished. It sets us up for the other things. Sanctification is an ongoing process and mission is God's purpose. So collectively, whatever our role is in the church or whatever, uh, we're meant to be working on the same things, which is delivering God's promises to the people. That was why he sent Jesus. Jesus showed us how to do that, what that would look like, what God's number one thing was. So uh, um, Hebrews 10.14 says... Through one sacrifice, God perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Perfected forever is past tense. So you can turn to the person next to you and say, I'm perfect. <laughs> and if you can't say that, then you've got... Well, maybe we could refine that and say, I'm perfect to God, because really you know you're not perfect. And if you're sitting next to your wife, like I would be, she knows I'm not perfect. Uh, so, but to God, we have the Jesus filter. So we've got all the stuff we've picked up in life, all the negative things we've been exposed to and everything else. But through Christ, God's looking past that to who you really are, even though you don't know who that is yet. And that's part of the sanctification process of learning that. So that's continuing, present, ongoing activity of God. I'm going to tell this story about, um, I just feel there's some people here who sort of don't quite understand how just God is and might feel like they're a failure or they have to try harder or something like that. Um, God is a God of justice. Now, there's nobody in this room who weren't born under the influence of the fall. So there was negative things that happened to us. We've been programmed by life to think we're not good enough or we can't do things or, you know, only the special people, all these sorts of things. Everybody in this room has, has messed up to some degree. We've all got things that God wants to deal with. Now, if we feel like God's holding us to account for those things, sometimes we won't step into what God actually has for us. And so there's a mayor in uh, New York back in between 1935 and I think 1947 called Fiorello LaGuardia. And uh, he he'd served as a judge. So one night he put himself on night court and it was a freezing cold winter's night and they brought in a woman who'd stolen a loaf of bread 
to feed her starving family. And so the judge said, well, madam, there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, the law says you have to pay. And so uh, I'm going to fine you $10. Now, when you think that in those days the average wage was about 20 cents an hour, $10 is a fair bit of money. And so then he takes the $10 out of his own pocket and he puts it in the bailiff's bag and says, your fine is paid. And then he looked around the audience and he said, and now I'm going to fine everybody in this room 50 cents for living in a city where a woman needs to steal a loaf of bread to feed her family. So the law held her accountable for what she did and her condition and even her sin, but Grace actually held her circumstances and her environment accountable. And that's how God, who's a just God, you'll see that his throne's established on... Justice, you'll see that in Psalms and Deuteronomy and different places. That's how God looks at us. He's saying, that's not fair. None of you wanted any of the problems you've got, including your sin problems or any other things. There's things that have come in the family line and so forth. There's all sorts of things there. He's saying, I wouldn't be fair if I held you accountable for that. It goes all the way back to Adam. Uh, so he says, so I'll pay for your sin. Father, forgive them. They know not why they're doing what they do. So I'll pay for their sin because they can't actually help it. But then I'll send the Holy Spirit, who's the spirit of truth, who'll lead them into all truth, and they'll begin to understand why they're doing what they're doing, and I'll set them free from those things, and then they'll be free to work for me. And as we, as we actually get those things dealt with, we become less centred on ourselves and more kind of automatically centred on other people. So I just thought I'd throw that in, that, you know, Jesus took care of all of that, uh, in fact, in, in um, Ephesians, it says that, you know, we've been saved by grace through faith. Or is it the other way around? Sometimes I jumble them up. But uh, it's all the same. Um, uh, but the next verse says, so that they can do the works that were prepared for them. So it, it actually says, well, I'll take care of all of that and they can just get on with it, which is why sometimes you see people who get saved. Oh, I'm going off the, chasing the rabbit here. And a guy who, who, who's doing a healing school... And 20 years earlier, uh, he'd become a Christian. He started going around, read it in the book, went, oh, I, oh, we'd lay hands on people and they get healed. He went around praying for people and people were getting healed. And so that was wonderful. Some well-meaning pastors and elders came along and said, no, that's not how it works. It's only the pastors and the leaders who can do that. And he went, oh, sorry, I didn't know that. And he stopped doing it. 20 years later, he was doing a school to try to get back what he had when he just received it simply to begin with. This is what can happen. We need to know that we're all okay to God. None of us are done. We're all just somewhere in the process being sanctified, but you're good to go. You see, sometimes young believers, we had a lady in the church years ago, and she, she was a songwriter. She would get them, these amazing songs and the, just how scriptural they were and everything. She didn't know any of that. She would just get them in dreams and write them down. God would just put them there. Incredible, just straight away because she was qualified and there's now nothing between us and the Father. We have access, we can come boldly. Is that all right? So God wants to, us to understand that we're okay and he can work through us and he'll, when, we, when we do things, he, he will actually be in those things and we're not just doing them off our own back. We're kind of looking to him for how to do them so we're not being silly about it. But then he also wants us to know about him and he is a God of another dimension that, that's not confined to the, this 
uh, earthly realm. Uh, and if we get confined in our thinking to this earthly realm, then we're limiting God and what's the old saying? We end up, we have a very small God who looks just like us. But God isn't like us. God, God is in another dimension. He wants us to be multidimensional like Jesus was living here, but kind of working from the provision of heaven, if you like, uh, seeing that potential and then pursuing it. And if it's not happening, going, why not? Let, let's keep going. So God's a, we would call him, well, as I said before, you know, your screen's two-dimensional. It's sort of length and width. Um, I'm three and a bit. You know, we're, we're three-dimensional beings, but God has, a, has another dimension that it has nothing to do with this world. We, you know, one time he came along and he came up to the fig tree. Everybody remember that story? I think it's Mark 20... No, it can't be Mark 20-something. Anyway, he, he came along and he saw this fig tree and there was no fruit on the fig tree. And so he curses the fig tree. Now, he wasn't being unkind because... The fig tree was out of season. He didn't expect there to be fruit, but normally by then there's a, something called naphtha, which, which is a, like a blossom that comes before the fruit and you can eat that. So there was no sign even of fruit. So he cursed it and it withered from the roots up. And so as he goes on to say, when they came back, they're, they're kind of amazed, how did that happen? You know, you spoke to a bush and it died from the roots up. And he's saying, well, if you believe in your heart, you, you can do these things. You can speak to the mountain if you believe that it will be done you can do that when we were young believers we had an arbor with a like a rose bush on it and um, it, there was never any roses on it and uh, so as young believers M sort of looked at this thing one day and when she went past she blessed it the next day it had these little white roses all over and we're going no <laughs> you know unbelieving believers you know but but I remember around the same time there was a little boy who had, uh, had warts all over him and the kids at school used to make fun of him. So uh, a friend of ours, we were there, I was there anyway, at a, at a group, and they prayed for him. Next day all the warts had dropped off. Isn't that cool? Do you think God wants the kid to have warts and all those sorts of things? So you kind of, we start out simple and then somehow or other we can get a bit complicated. We need to just go back to simple. Um, we looked through the Old Testament, Balaam's donkey, Talking, nuts. That's that's weird. Having animals talking. Do you believe that happened? Because I believe that happened. Uh, the Shunammite woman's jar never runs out, and her oil never runs out. That's ridiculous. You know, Elisha, uh, the chap loses his accent, and he thinks, "Well, I, I can knock off early now. That's great. It's come off. It's in the water. You know, except I borrowed it." And Elisha says, "No, no, you're not finished yet, mate." And he carves a little stick off, throws it in the water. The accent floats. Does anybody else think there's something strange about that? Because <laughs> the stuff that God does is strange. Like, he is not limited to our dimension. And he doesn't want us limited to that dimension as well. I don't know how he does what he does. I, I wouldn't have a clue. Once you start talking about that area of faith and praying for people and they get healed, I don't know how that happens. Uh, we were in the Philippines a few years ago and we did a, like a four or five day school and there was no air conditioning and by the time we got to the end of the school we're kind of praying for all the pastors and all this sort of thing and oh, I was absolutely wrecked and uh, anyway on the way back uh, there's a, they took us down all these little pathways and we ended up at this house with the ceilings about this high and we went in there's a birthday cake on the table and I think oh this is lovely they're, they're going to have a birthday for this little girl 
But that wasn't what they brought us there for. Um, then they brought Granny down from upstairs and they said, no, we want you to pray for Granny. And I said, okay, no problem. So I'm exhausted, absolutely wrecked. So I just kind of laid my hand on her and I said, um, powerfully, you know, like powerful man of God, mighty man of God prayer, said, be healed in Jesus' name. <laughs> anyway, she got really, really angry and she went, they said, no, it's her eyes, she's blind. I went, oh, sorry. So I put my hand across her, her eyes and prayed, an, prayed another really powerful prayer, be healed in Jesus' name. Anyway, next thing, she's counting fingers across the table. You only have to do that a couple of times and you know that isn't you. You're just a little boy playing twinkle, twinkle, little star and God does it, but you do it. There was some faith in the room because they'd seen other people healed through the week and so forth. They were expecting something to happen. But it isn't about us. You don't have to look good, sound good, yell at people, do any of that. You, you just have to position people to receive and then... Just do it and, and God does it. I don't know how. I don't know how that would happen. That's ridiculous as well. It's, it's weird for us. But God can do it and he wants to do it. He wants to do it. Not just physical healing, um, all sorts of healing. But we need to get equipped and we need to kind of learn how those things work a little bit so we can um, step into those areas. You've got some books there, honey? I'll just do a very quick ad here. You know, one time Peter and Jesus were going up to the temple and they were... Um, uh, you know, going, they had to pay the temple tax. And uh, so, uh, can be worn with or without the belt. And uh, Jesus says to Peter, you know, Peter's sort of, well, I haven't got any money. Well, go over and the first fish you pull out will have the right money in it. You know, can you imagine going down to the creek and you pull out a fish and you open its mouth and there's a little zop, Ziploc bag with 50 pounds in it, just the right money to get into wherever you need to. Like, that's really strange, isn't it? But that's what happened, and he had just the right amount of drachmas to go and get themselves in. It's weird. The stuff that God does is weird. He wants us to move into that realm that isn't natural or possible. All of these books, a lot of these are uh, around a, a similar ministry, which is kind of based on Luke 4.18, healing the brokenhearted, setting the captives free, there's some things in some of the bigger books about physical healing. This one's a new one we've just done, which is targeting mental disorder. Um, about one in four people, are, according to the World Health Organization, are going to suffer from uh, mental disorders. Uh, so you're bound to know somebody. Um, most of us, even if we never go to a psychiatrist, would probably get categorised with something somewhere along the way. That's just how it is. Uh, so that one's sort of a, the first part of it is the how-to. The second part is, you know, if you know somebody who has a specific problem, once you understand the first part, you'll, you'll understand what's under that and how to minister to it. So we see all sorts of different kind of mental disorders. We don't ask people what's your mental disorder, but we find in Australia, I imagine it's the same here, um, most people who come for ministry who are under 40 have already been to a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Uh, that's just how it is. Everybody seems to go nowadays. Got a problem. So, um, but it's actually a central mission of the church to deal with those things. And so we don't want to be going... We're not saying don't, don't do that because the professionals obviously have something to offer. But we're saying, well, can we just pray for you? We don't need to know what your disorder is. What's your problem? Oh, I'm full of fear. Well, OK, that might be called general anxiety disorder or whatever it might be. Well, let's just minister to the fear. 
and let's deal with that. And then later on you might find out that the other thing's gone and they don't have a tag anymore. Um, so that's, we, we're basically trying to help people learn how to minister and all that sort of thing. Um, I love the story where Jesus walks on the water. So he actually, they fed 5,000, so that's amazing enough with a, you know, a loaf and a few fishes and that sort of thing. And then he made them get into the boat, most translations say, and he had a reason for that. And they're probably thinking, well, why aren't you coming? This is strange, you're normally with us. And so he makes them get into the boat and then in the middle of the night he comes walking on the water. Uh, anybody here not seen people walk on the water? I, I reckon, reckon not... Best thing, start in your bathtub or somewhere like that if you're going to kick it off. But uh, th- that's weird. That is really strange. Um, and, th- and they feared. But Peter said, well, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. So he stepped out of the boat and he walked on the water. So while he had his eyes on Jesus and what Jesus had said to do, he actually was over and above the situation and the, the circumstances. But as soon as he started to look at the waves and the natural things then he actually came under that and feared. So faith puts us over our natural circumstances and fear puts us under them. So as soon as he looked at that, he began to sink. But he did walk on the water. And for any of us, we can walk on the water at times and then other times, you know, we're, we're in trouble. But God wants us stepping out of the boat to find out what he can do. Uh, I've got a friend in Africa in Kampala who's you know, got a television ministry and his wife has as well. And uh, known him for many years. He's ministered in the churches that we had and, and uh, you know, quite a powerful man of God. He was telling us once about how he was in a place called Katali in Kenya and they had a, like, a big stadium and he was doing a, a big ministry there. And he's preaching and in the end he had an altar call and said, you know, everybody who wants healing, come out. And... Uh, during his sermon, they'd brought a man in on the stretcher and put, them in, put him in under the platform. And so Frank's remembered this man after he's finished his message and he prays for a few people and he thinks, I'll go down and I'll pray for this guy. So down he went and he laid hands on him, big long prayer as you have to, you know, like be healed in Jesus' name and then off he went. And as he walked away, everybody's going, wow! And he, he what? And he turns around and has a look and the guy's sitting up and he goes... And, you know, uh, and they said, he was dead. <laughs> That's weird, isn't it? But, but you, you think about it, like, this is God we're talking about who creates a couple of more stars every second, a couple over here, a few here, a couple more over there. You know, it's no different to him. What you've got, it doesn't make any difference at all. The only limitation is your mind and your expectation and your picture of God. And when you start to see him as the God of this other dimension who created everything with a word, you go, wow, anything could happen. And then when you get the picture that the anything that will happen will happen through you, you go, okay, I better do something. I better, you know, start to look for the targets a little bit. So the thing about that guy, sometimes you've got to work through unbelief with people. Obviously, the dead guy didn't have any unbelief. But uh, Frank, Frank, as we'd known him for years, he'd never told us he'd raised anybody from the dead. We heard other testimonies and things. I said, wow, Frank, you never told us you raised anybody from the dead. Oh, he said, oh, yeah, I've raised five. Okay. Oh, thanks, Frank. That's a good testimony for Australia. I mean, Australia, not sure what it's like in the UK, but... 
Um, we've had an increasing amount. It's easier and easier and easier to get people healed in Australia. 20 years ago, it was really difficult. We'd go to Micronesia or somewhere and see miracles, cancers and things healed straight away. But in Australia, that wasn't happening then. Uh, now it is. Um, same in America, we sort of saw it begin to the new wave of it and I'm sure it would be the same here where, where it's becoming more common, more likely when people have this kind of, well, we don't have to work it out for God to be able to do it type thing. He just does it. How's that? Don't know. Will I ever know? No, I'll never know. He just does it because he's working from another dimension. Um, there's a chap in... How am I getting for time here? A guy called Chayan in America. I love this story. And uh, he had a, he's got a big church and he's an apostle that travels the world. But uh, he had a man in the prayer line one day. And um, anyway, this Chinese man. And Chay says to him, you know, what can I do for you? He says, oh, he says I was out pruning in the garden this morning with my daughter. And she had the shears and she went through and she chopped off my finger. So I haven't got a finger. But I believe God wants to grow it back. And so Che says, okay, I'll, I'll put my faith with your faith. And I, I read a book that had the story in it later on. I heard that one firsthand. Uh, and, and he admitted he actually didn't believe anything would happen, even though he was somebody who saw miracles and things regularly. So this man went off and Che went off around the world doing all the things that he does. And um, anyway, several months later, he's back in his church prayer line church is 5,000 so he doesn't remember people that well and uh, this man's there again and so he'd forgotten about him and the man he, he says to the man what do you want me to do for you he says nothing I just wanted to show you that <laughs> so I didn't want to show you till now because it's only been growing back a little bit at a time isn't that amazing you know how many times do you get prayer and you even feel a touch of God and by the time you get to the door you go it didn't work. I had a lady one day and she was about to go in for an operation for something uh, in this place we were praying. And when I was praying for her, there was three people holding her up. Like the Spirit of God was really on her. She just couldn't stand up under the, you know. So that, that was fine. And I'm thinking, well, that's great. You know, something's going to happen with her. After church, I got in the coffee line, you know, to the little servery. So she couldn't see me. And I'm sort of waiting for my coffee at the end of the line. And I heard her saying to somebody around the corner, oh, it's so wonderful, God's so wonderful, he's got this person who's going to um, look after me after my operation and they're not even a believer. Well, that's nice, isn't it? That's really lovely. But I'm going, a minute ago, it took three of us to hold you up and you've already decided that that didn't work and you haven't even got out the church door. Sometimes we've just got to wait and see, like the Cheyenne thing, or very often people discover their healing later on. So we just receive it. If it's instant, it's instant. If there's improvement, that's great. That means God's working. But we just keep going and we thank God and magnify him for whatever he's doing. And um, why, why do we magnify him? Well, we magnify him for us because it doesn't matter how big we make him, he's heaps bigger than that. We can't make him too big. We can't even imagine what he's capable of. But we have to start that journey. And when we step into that journey, we begin to see him do things. Remember, you, 10 years ago when I was here, um, we got a you know, little GPS in the car 
And I remember I told this story, I think at the end of the... I can't remember what we preached then, it's 10 years ago, but uh, uh, the little GPS and we got... Well, there's a lady I call Bev in there who tells you, you know, where you've got to turn right up here in 300 yards. No, no you goose, you missed the... You know. and, and so I got Bev and then M, and I, I, I know only one of them can be right, so <laughs> some, sometimes I turn the, you know, her off. But when, when Bev's going and you miss the turn, uh, she'll say recalculating and I go well you know God's like that so we just have a go and he says that's all right the destination's the same we still want to go to the same place we still want to release all of my promises so we're just now we're going to recalculate we'll just take another route and it doesn't matter how many times you have to do that eventually you're going to end up where you need to be Um, but it's stepping into it to begin with and and realizing his his um dimension and then once you see things happen it sort of spirals out of control we were doing um, uh, a school in a place called Alcalao and there was a lady up the road so four four day pastor school lady up the road who couldn't get to any of the meetings so afterwards the pastors took us up there to sort of pray for her and um, so and as it happened there was a busload of kind of missionary people who happened to be there at the same time, just kind of freak of nature thing. So that went in this place, sort of, you know, about as many as these people all in this room. So I told a few stories of recent healings, kind of raise her faith a little bit. And then uh, there was a lady there who'd been uh, at the meetings and she said, that's right. She said, last year, and I hadn't recognised her, she said, last year I was full of arthritis and now look at me. And she started jumping around like nobody's business. And... And I'm going, I didn't recognise you because last year you were like that. It was the same lady. And her testimony sparked something off and this lady, other lady, she's starting to walk out of her chair and all these other people who'd popped in by bus are wanting prayer. And you're going, wow. So, you know, as, as the testimonies start to come, people start to go, wow, this is real, this stuff. And we prove God. We prove that he's true. We prove that his word's true. Everyone's looking at us. And when they see us emotionally healed, mentally in order, physically in good shape, happy, knowing that the Jesus filter's there and we're okay every day. It's not about trying harder. It's just get your eyes on him and praise him. And they go, wow, where are those people coming from? So nowadays the evangelists will say, we've got to get out of the box, you know, get out there in the street. That's great. That's good. We need to do that. But... Often the testimony is people are looking at what's coming out of the box and if it looks the same as what's out there, they're not interested. But if they're going, there's something really different about you guys, where'd you come from? Oh, we came from the box. Okay, we want to go in the box too. Where's that? Well, water lane. Watch your parking down here. (laughs) One pound for the whole day here today, that's really good. (laughs) So God, how does God do it? I don't know. Uh, just last very final story. Um, we had a lady who used to be in our church who now lives just down the road from us and she was in a church that we go to now recently and so we had a little kind of mini healing, small church, but we preached a healing message and we're going around praying for the sick. Anyway, she's following us around and I'm thinking, oh, that's good because she's been around us for a long time, just making sure nobody falls over and that sort of thing. And uh, she was on the music team that day. And so we get to the end. We think we've prayed for everybody. And so the music team's going back up. 
And she says, what about me? And I, I said, oh, well, I just thought you were just, you know, kind of helping out. She said, no, she said, my hands. She said, I haven't been able to open them and I haven't been able to close them all the way for, you know, a long time. I said, oh, okay. I said, well, just stick them out. So she put her hands out and I just said, be healed in Jesus' name. Just not, not even that fancy, really. Um, and she went, that's great. And up she hopped in the bin. Just a few seconds, you know, because it's not a mental thing. It's not a mental exercise. If I play, pray a really impressive 15-minute prayer, they'll get healed. No, no, it's God's idea. He already came up with this. We just go do it and, and help people get into that place where they can receive. Is that okay? It's, it's shifting into his dimension, which is all things healing, whether it's, you, you know, your broken heart, your, your disordered thinking, your physical body, which are, that's often all the same. Uh, it's, it's all of that. We want all of that in the church. Amen? I'm, I'm sure there's lots of those things happening, but, uh, you know, that's my particular passion. I'd love to see pastor in some little outback town in Woolamakaki or somewhere and, uh, you know, somebody comes in with MS or something, they go, oh, I know what to do with that. I'll just, you know, find that again and, and they're confident to sort of minister into it. Wouldn't that be great? Where, where just everybody gets to play, you know, and we let the Holy Spirit do what he's meant to do in, in this era. So the father thought it, he had this idea. Jesus came and spoke it out, showed us how that was going to work and did it so we knew that, you know, the Holy Spirit working through him and then the Holy Spirit made it a reality. So Jesus said, I'm finished. I've done everything I'm going to do. I've paid for it all, showed you how to do it. I'm going back to the Father. Okay, now you guys go and do it. As the Father sent me, so I sent you. And the Holy Spirit, he'll be making that symphony all around us when we just do our simple little thing. Amen? And it's... um, it's as the young people say, it's way cool. God is way cool. He's a very exciting person to hang around with. We, we had a lot of young people in our, our original church of 20 years come in, you know, we had a little revival for a while of young people. And so I started picking up all these way cool things and all that. So the next church we went to was um, the, in an area that was, they called it the dressing room for eternity, you know, it was like <laughs> a, a lot of pensioners and old age people and I'm, I'm there preaching, oh, way cool, and all this sort of stuff. They're looking mm, this guy is a bit strange. Well, I am a bit strange, but I'm harmless. So, <laughs> so I'll, with that, I'll hand back to Al, and um, we're happy to pray. And if, if you do want prayer, because, as I said, this isn't a mental exercise, it's just you may feel some electricity on you, a bit of heat or something, or a bit of a touch. That's just the Holy Spirit, you know, wanting you to receive... And he'll do the work in you, probably that will stay on you for a time. So if I prayed for you, it might be like 10 seconds and I mightn't even say much. It's almost more of a, an impartation thing. So if anybody's sick or something and would like you to do that uh, or whatever else.